Hello, and welcome to another episode of Crack Encrypteds and Curios. This is Matt once again, joined by eminent scary movie tournament decider, Angel. It's time, Angel. We must continue on in the King of the Monster movie tournament. You must decide who wins it all. Are you ready? Most definitely. <laughs> Don't say that again. So we head back to bracket one, where number one seed Gremlins is against number five seed Wishmaster. Now I want to give you a moment to think about this to stew, because we have Gremlins. This is a big no. <laughs> you stop it. I have, I have some movie trivia about some things that happen with the movie, some maybe behind the scenes things that maybe could sway your choice. We'll see. So, Gremlins. I found out an earlier attempt to have monkeys play the Gremlins was abandoned because the test monkey panicked when made to wear a Gremlin head. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> I want to see that movie. <laughs> and and then I read this, Angel. Amongst others, the voices of the Gremlins were done by Michael Winslow, your Comedic hero, oh Michael goodness. Winslow, did some of the voices in Gremlins. Did not know that either. Did not either. I also learned about Wishmaster. In the commentary, it is stated that while filming, someone had broken into one of the sets and stole the cameras. <laughs> and it even made it on the news, the local news. So, ooh, Wishmaster, a, a, a cursed movie? <laughs> they stole the cameras? How'd they finish? <laughs> they wished it. They wished it, yep. <laughs> so we have Gremlins versus Wishmaster. Which one's going forward? And certainly you can speak it out. Let us know what your decision-making is in this moment because this tournament is life or death. Well, I mean, you said it You said it uh, best when you said the trivia might sway me. And Michael Winslow differently, <laughs> definitely swayed me towards the Gremlins side. And that whole monkey story, I mean... Who doesn't want to see that movie? The making of. <laughs> Can you imagine if they had like 18 monkeys in a single scene? <laughs> like, I think the actors would be scared. I, I mean, how, how many monkeys did they have on set before they realized we can't do this, <laughs> this with is, monkeys? This is a bad idea. <laughs> uh, I, I think probably one. <laughs> Only one panicked when it had the gremlin mask on. <laughs> I think one of the monkeys got wet and it duplicated and they're like oh no it's real <laughs> this is this isn't a story it's a documentary <laughs> okay so gremlins moves on to the, the to the final four and our next segment for bracket one we have the number six seed hellraiser hellraiser versus the number seven seed the 1959 movie miracle house on haunted hill house on Haunted Hill. So, let you think about this one for a moment as I shed some light about these two movies. So, some Hellraiser trivia. The concept of a cube being used as a portal to hell has its basis in the urban legend The Devil's Toy Box, which concerns a six-sided cube constructed of inward-facing mirrors. According to legend, individuals who enter the structure and then close it will undergo surreal, disturbing phenomenon that will simultaneously grant them a revelatory experience and permanently warp their mind. Another thing that I did read about was that Pinhead's character, his name is not Pinhead. Originally, was it 
was it Clive Barker that did this movie? Yeah. Um, he named it the the entity Priest, but then in the script he just changed it to Lead Cenobite, and then the fans just started calling him Pinhead, and he he didn't like that name because it he says it's like not it's not like respectful enough for the <laughs> character. It's like okay, Clive. Uh, so House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> There's a skeleton that rises from a vat of acid, and it is a real human skeleton. So like most movies, it was simply faster and cheaper to buy a real human skeleton from a biological supply house than having one created by the special effects department. So there is some dude out there that died, and his dead body was used in House on Haunted Hill. Vincent Price acted with a real dead skeleton angel. That's why it's on here. And then had a chance to curse that movie with that dead <laughs> skeleton. That skeleton could have cursed that movie too. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Despite working with a skeleton, a real life skeleton, I think, I think knowing that the character in Hellraiser was named Priest makes a lot of sense. Because whenever I see that uh, the pinhead, he always. To me, he, now that I think about it, it always looks like how priests are depicted in movies. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, can't go wrong with cubes that send you to hell. <laughs> so, So I'm going to have to go with Hellraiser on this one. Go on with Hellraiser. Okay. Hellraiser continues on. Uh, another thing that I ended up learning about that movie was that originally two of the other Xenobites, Chatterer and the the bigger guy i don't know what his name was in the movie they were supposed to have more speaking roles in that movie but the prosthetics and makeup actually prevented them from even speaking so all those role, all those lines went to to pinhead <laughs> so then it made him even more of the lead character oh my god <laughs> it was just like this whole confluence of, of like mistakes that made him <laughs> popular the studio hated it because they wanted a something more akin to freddy krueger Something that like made quips and was like sort of comedic in oh, fashion. God. And Clive was like, "No, I'm not doing it." <laughs> Good. He's supposed to be regal and he's supposed to be presented in a certain fashion. And he didn't. He didn't bend or break. And we got Hellraiser out of that. So let's move on to bracket two, number one seed, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street versus number five seed, An American Werewolf in London. An American Werewolf in London. To give you some things that were going on at the time, Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven's original concept for Kruger was considerably more gruesome with teeth showing through the flesh over the jaw, pus running from the sores in a part of the skull showing through the head. But makeup artist David Miller argued that an actor couldn't be convincingly made up that way and a puppet would be too hard to film and wouldn't blend well with live actors. So these ideas were eventually abandoned. So can you imagine a puppet Freddy Krueger? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure there's uh, scenes in one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets where it's an obvious puppet because oh, weird that. stuff happening. But imagine that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it, it's pretty it's pretty comical, so. Mm-hmm. And then we have an American werewolf in London. Alex, one of the characters reads, "A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court to David in the hospital, and David is shown reading it before he transforms into a werewolf." Director John Landis was a huge fan of the book. He even tried to adapt it into a movie. One figure featured in A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court 
Merlin. <laughs> Merlin impacted the story of an American werewolf in London. Can you believe that? I, I cannot. <laughs> so this is a toughie. And you don't have to make your decisions based on the trivia. I just pulled random <laughs> things I thought were interesting. Oh, <laughs> oh uh, yeah. I mean, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but, you know, these are two of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, a tough pairing. And it's actually, I was trying to go on the trivia because <laughs> these are all great films. And I'm trying to find the one thing that pushes it to the top. But for, for these two films, I just, the transformation i'm always gonna talk about this the transformation into a wolf scene in an american world in london is a landmark use of prosthetics and special effects yep. however nightmare on elm street also had great special effects do you know who the special effects on american werewolf in london affected so greatly that he made one of the biggest pop cultural things in our society was it Stan Winston? I don't, I don't know who I don't... that is. <laughs> nope. It was uh, friggin' Michael Jackson. And oh. it impacted him so much that that's what he wanted in Thriller. Yes. In fact, um, the director for An American Werewolf in London directed the Thriller video. Mm-hmm. And who was in that? Vincent Price. <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. It's all, it's all it all comes together man this is hard so we have this guy who enters your dreams and hurts you in them and makes funny quips and he's he's got a pun for everything every every type of kill he's ready to quip yeah however an american werewolf in london is a special kind of film it always seems to me like when it ended, when it ends, it always felt like there should have been more. Yeah, the, at Paris. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. That movie does not exist. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Nightmare for this one. Wow, I am, as they say on the street, flabbergasted. <laughs> what street are you on? Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> You don't remember all those lines where they say, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> they're, they're just walking down the street. Anyways, uh, number three seed, Tremors. Tremors. Versus number seven seed, The Stuff. The Stuff. And I think maybe the hardest of all the brackets, or all the of all the uh, pairings, Tremors and The Stuff. So... To give you something about Tremors as you as you dwell on this pairing, working titles for the film were Beneath Perfection, Dead Silence, and Land Sharks before the filmmakers decided on Tremors. And get this, Angel, the Graboids were designed by Amalgamated Dynamics. Can you believe that? <laughs> I read that. I almost <laughs> fell on my damn chair. <laughs> we should hire them to make cryptids for us. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dead Silence ended up getting taken by another movie. I think it's about puppets. <laughs> they kill people. And the stuff, according to the audio commentary on the, the year 2000 Anchor Bay DVD, some of the substance props or stand-ins for the real stuff used in the movie include lots of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, yogurt, and for one scene involving an enormous avalanche-like effect of the stuff crashing through a wall, it was fire-extinguishing foam. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. They also, in another scene, used ground-up fish bones, and it made the it made the actors smell so bad that they had to jump in a river to wash it off immediately after filming. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's odd. They didn't have trailers with showers. <laughs> oh come on, on on the. <laughs> On the set of the stuff, no. <laughs> they were lucky if they had guys get cameras that didn't get stolen, too. Hi there, the name's Mo Rutherford. You know why my ke- my friends call me Mo? Because when they give me money, I always want Mo. Mm-hmm. An- another trivia, if you didn't know, Chocolate Charlie was based off of Famous Amos. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, these are, again, two great films in their own right. But I think the stuff is more like a parody and also yes. and also a, a commentary on consumerism. Consumerism, yep. Yeah. However, Tremors is just plain old fun. And sometimes you just want to watch a movie for plain old fun. So I'm going to go with Tremors. Oh, you got the taste of bacon in your mouth right now. <laughs> Tremors goes on to the final four. So this gets us to back in bracket one. Number one seed, Gremlins. Gremlins versus the number six seed, Hellraiser. Hellraiser. No more fun facts, huh? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I'm out of facts. Oh, man. On the one hand, cute little gizmo saving the day. Man. Who would win? uh, Gremlin versus Pinhead? (laughs) Who would? (laughs) Can you kill a Cenobite? I don't know. That's that's They're already in hell. That's what I want to see. I want to see all these uh, people pitted against each other. I mean, they tried it with Freddy and Jason, but come on, you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. expand. Yeah, can throw in uh, Ash from Evil Dead in the comic. Mm-hmm. They did a whole whole little three way battle. Here's a fun fact about Gremlins: when it was, uh, I think it was produced by Steven Spielberg, but it wasn't directed by him. So the mm-hmm. director wanted to make like the movie a little bit more serious, more adult. And Spielberg was so enamored with the the gremlins, the the gizmo. He's like, oh, like have it do these cute things. And then like he wanted the, the main characters they were gonna sc- uh, kiss on screen. And he wanted he said uh, he would come in and suggest, hey, why don't you have Gizmo come in between them? And then they end up kissing Gizmo. And then and then director's like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> and uh, when, can can you say no to Steven Spielberg? <laughs> well, no, they can't. But. When Steven Spielberg leaves, they're like, okay, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you mentioned that. You know, we, we shot it, but the, the, the film corrupted. <laughs> just blew up. <laughs> it just caught fire. Someone stole the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Someone stole the same people that stole the camera. And we got, we got Wishmastered. Um, <laughs> somehow they knew that was going to happen to Wishmaster, which wasn't even a movie then. <laughs> That that was so famous that when when peop, other <laughs> film <laughs> studios got their stuff stolen from them, they just say we got Wishmaster. Wishmaster yeah. <laughs> and then someone's like, "I'm gonna make a movie called Wishmaster," and his cameras got stolen. <laughs> okay. So Hellraiser. I'm gonna have to go with Gremlins just just wow. because just because I think I I remember uh, watching Hellraiser. Um, recently, and mm-hmm. as much fun as it was, there are some dull points. I don't, I don't think Hellraiser holds up as well as Gremlins does today, as well as a 
a modern day viewer watching the two movies, I think Gremlins is a a better film. Yeah. And another another after the fact decision here of trivia in uh, towards the at the end of the movie there's this like big sequence of what happens and um there's supposed to be this cgi effect and clive said that they ran out of money so he couldn't pay anybody to (laughs) do the cgi effects so him and his friend like (laughs) they got drunk and did the scene the effects handmade over two days and just plopped it in the movie it's like it's it's good enough for me (laughs) oh man so Gremlins makes it to the finals of the King of the Monster movie tournament. So we have on bracket two, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street versus Tremors. Oof. Tremors. Oh, man. Ooh. I'm, I'm just going to have to come out and say I think, I think Elm Street gets the win for this one. Is it because just a, a, a more connection to that movie or do you think it's the just a better overall movie or Freddy's a better villain. I think, I think it's, it's, it's the villain. I, uh, you know, Tremors is, is, is fine and all, but tre- uh, the, the bad guys in Tremors are, are not uh, human. You don't, mm-hmm. you can't uh, relate to them. So it's yep. more, it's more, you watch that movie. It's more all about fear based, like fear of the unknown fear of these creatures. With Nightmare on Elm Street, it's like this is a dude that talks to you. You know what he's thinking, and he still wants to hurt you. Like, oh my god! Yeah, he just wants to. He just wants to let chaos reign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Nightmare on Elm Street makes it to the finals of the King of the Monster movie tournament. So we have, amazingly enough, number one seed on bracket one, Gremlins, Gremlins versus number one seed in bracket two. Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street. Which one is the king of the monster movie tournament, Angel? Oh man, this is tough. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> A gremlin came out. Maybe, or maybe it's Freddy. <laughs> I, I think it's it's a classic film. There's no denying it. I think. You want to which one? Which one are you talking about? You want to cur- <laughs> you want to curl up on Halloween. You want to watch this film with your friends, with your significant other, whatever. You got to do it with Nightmare on Elm Street. You save you save Gremlins for Christmas because that's a Christmas film anyway. <sighs> so you're going Nightmare on Elm Street as the winner of the King of the Monster movie tournament. Yep. yep. You heard it here. So come this Halloween. Is it on streaming services? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Find it somewhere. <laughs> Have to find a DVD to watch <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one, not the remake. I didn't like the remake. Wait, there's what, a what were your thoughts? You, you, <laughs> you don't know about the remake? I I think I vaguely remember hearing about it. I think I remember to- like hearing talks of like how uh, England was not gonna reprise his role, and then I said, I'm going to forget about this. If he's not in the movie, then this movie doesn't exist for me. Uh-huh. It doesn't exist to you. It was the guy from the Watchmen movie that played uh, Rorschach. Mm. Uh, I don't know his name, but he played him. Uh, not, uh, it wasn't very good. It, what a shame. It loses the charm. Yeah, I can see why. So, my gosh, Nightmare on Elm Street is our winner. Whoa. The classic. 
what is your opinion? Because I don't think we've ever talked about it, or of the new nightmare where I, it trans- it's like so meta that <laughs> it becomes in our world. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was <laughs> the first. I remember when it first came out, and I'd see the commercials for it. I'd be like, "Whoa, I want to see it," <laughs> but I never did see it. And I don't know what I think. I felt like this was a dream one day, years later, but I was still living at my parents. And I don't know what happened that I turned on the TV and I turned it to PBS. And it was uh, like nighttime. And that movie was playing. And I wasn't sure what movie it was at first. Because I saw the girl and I'm like, hey, she's the girl from... The first film, and I and then and this movie's going on. I'm like, is this is this the new nightmare? I'm like, why is it <laughs> is on it PBS? <laughs> I'm like, PBS. That means there's no commercials. There's nothing. What's going on? <laughs> Have I been missing horror movies on PBS all my life? It turns out I had been. Mm-hmm. They had been at, the, at 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 least at that time. They had been doing this thing where they would be playing um, um horror movies at a certain time, so. I was able to catch some other films that I hadn't heard of, but that one was one that I was like, hey, I know this movie. My gosh, who knew? Who knew? Yep. So, guys, support your local uh, public broadcasting services. Mm-hmm. You might just catch uh, a new nightmare on there. <laughs> that specifically, yes. <laughs> That's the only reason why you'd want to watch PBS. <laughs> Flip through your, your uh, recently purchased TV guide book, <laughs> and you can check it out and see what's <laughs> See what is coming up in the next. I love slipping through the TV guide, man. <laughs> then it went digital, and I didn't like it at all. God damn it! <laughs> Let us now focus on our entity of the week. We've gone there once before, and it is about damn time that we returned all the way back to the land of the rising sun, Japan. In our first venture there, we looked at the alcohol-loving Suchinoko and learned so much about ourselves along the way. So what did you learn about yourself in that episode? I learned that the Suchinokos that we all hold dear were the ones we met along the way. You know what I learned? <laughs> what? I thought about this for a bit. I did a, I guess you could say, like introspective dive into my essence. I tried to inspect the minutia of my soul. I report back today that I learned nothing because I know myself already and there's nothing else left to discover. I am a static force that no longer needs nor allows for internal growth. This week, we will explore what is known as the Ningen. This is a type of creature we really have not seen, Angel. We've done land-based creatures. We've done ones that can fly. We've done ones from rivers. Even trees that eat people, Angel. Trees that eat people. This time, the Ningen, it says, no, 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 no. I don't got time for your flying. No time for your forest. No time to be shot at wantonly and walled up in a mine like the Van Meter Visitor. Because the Ningen is living free in the wide open ocean angel our first oceanic cryptid this is our free willy moment <laughs> hold your hand up high i'm gonna jump over you <laughs> i'm gonna recreate that scene <laughs> you're gonna have michael jackson playing 
I forgot he did a song for that. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of some sort of thriller joke, but it it wouldn't come, it wouldn't form in my mind. Uh, I honestly don't think in the last two decades of our friendship that we have ever talked about the ocean, except for maybe marine biology classes. And those discussions were less about the contents of the ocean and more about a certain individual who drove me insane because he claimed that he was from the ocean. He was like, the character Bane, but instead of darkness molding him, it was the ocean. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> so, in your opinion, is the open ocean scarier than anything on land? Well, I am also from the ocean. <laughs> no, you're not. You are a land-based mammal. <laughs> I grew up in the ocean and I will die in the ocean. You smell like the ocean, too? Yes, very salty. Setting all that aside, I don't think the open ocean is scarier. Um, you don't? No. I, you know, I'm I'm not from the ocean, but I am an ocean-going species. Subspecies. <laughs> You're your own species yes. of ocean-faring vessels? <laughs> you know, there's people that aren't into going to the ocean. I, uh-huh. I'm one of those that have gone to the ocean, my fear. Uh amount of times you've, you've gone on yachts <laughs> it's the only yeah. yachts i mean what else would you go on come on i don't i mean i've never gone so far out into the ocean maybe then i'd change my opinion but you know everything but have, have you ever gone so far out that you couldn't see any land no no that mm, okay. i cannot say mm-hmm. but there's no reason for any human to ever go that far you need your boundaries once you're on laundry on water. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I, I think that, I think that's the the caveat, right? Mm-hmm. The open ocean isn't scarier if you set some boundaries. So how do you feel about movies like Open Water or Forty Seven Meters Down, where the direct threat in those movies are things like sharks, but the true villain of the story is, of course, the open ocean. I, it's my understanding that Open Water was based on a true story mm-hmm. and if you find yourself stranded in the ocean with no boat like you're in the water you gotta accept that you're you're gonna die like it's yeah like that that you know forget the ocean part like you're dead right there's nothing saving you from that unless you're tom hanks you built your raft yeah but he was on a raft these people, well, I think, were just I think it was water. falling apart, though. Yeah. Yeah, they were just out. They got left behind when they were scuba diving. How's that happen? Don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just... I feel like... Like, just like in the real world, on land, there's not that many things looking to get me unless I threaten them or, you know, pose a threat. I'm not going to step my foot in water and suddenly sharks are coming after me like a certain video game I used to play all the time. It's not mm-hmm. like that snake rattle and roll, damn it. Or jellyfish brush up against you and it's a uh, man of war and you <laughs> seize up. Yeah, I mean, even if they're if they are man of war, it's like well, I've never touched one so, but I have been stung by a jellyfish before. It's, it's it was not that bad. Did you have someone pee on it? 
No. No? no. Uh, what a waste. What a waste of a of a jellyfish <laughs> if it's, thing. If it's not scary spice, then I don't want anybody doing it. <laughs> peeing on you or specifically just peeing on your jellyfish things? <laughs> on the jellyfish no. things. Okay. I wasn't <laughs> sure if we were getting into some sort of like... Uh, no fantasies. See, let, let's let's explain something here. See, she was on. Uh, I fr- I don't know what the name of the show is with Bear Grylls. Oh yeah, and okay. he got stung, and she's like, "Hey, <laughs> this, I think this we have to more pee sense on it." Now. And then he goes, "Yeah," and then she goes, "Let me pee on your sting," and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> I'm like, "Why is this happening?" Yes, yes please. <laughs> <laughs> so. This brings up a very interesting thing, Angel. You, you didn't mention it. You sort of like skirted around my mention of 47 meters down because I specifically remember you were really excited about 47 meters down because it starred Mandy Moore. So back in the day, it wasn't Britney Spears. It wasn't Christina Aguilera. No, no not even Jessica Simpson. For a young angel, it was Mandy Moore who made that heartbeat skip, made that stomach get full of butterflies. So you still celebrate August 17th as what you call Mandy Candy Day in honor of the day when her mega hit single Candy was released in 1999. The same day you, Angel, fell in love for the first time. I need to know, how did you feel when you saw that video for the first time? What's not to say about that video? So many different Emotions and feelings came flooding to the surface. Was it the like her singing directly into the camera? She got in a uh, you know one of those new um, Beatles that were uh, popping up that was like lime green. She went to the local burger joint and danced in the seat, and then she left and danced in the in the parking lot. I think it was her skater moves. You getting confused with Avril? <laughs> no. Her skater moves? <laughs> Did you see a different video? <laughs> what is this? Were you confused the past 19 years about who Mandy Moore is? <laughs> I can never be confused. About who Mandy Moore is, all right? You get that right. She made that heart skip beats, Angel. When the heart skips beats, that means you have less heart beats for your eventual grand total of heartbeats. She lowered your life expectancy. She makes my heart skip beats and my brain skip memories. I found an old email from you, Angel, and I don't know if you actually remember this, but because of that, you know, the memory issues that she caused you. But the signature that you had auto-loaded for each email included lyrics from the song Candy. So it would always end, like, sugar to my heart, I'm craving for you, I'm missing you like candy. Do you regret using that signature? I don't regret anything. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. No. <laughs> no. So, based on Mandy Moore's 47 meters down, I know that the ocean is at least 47 meters deep. This led me to think deeper about how deep the ocean is. 
I was curious about how vast the ocean was, so I asked the internet AI to please present me with more information, and it suggested the website WorldWideBoat.com. Presumably, the world's one-stop shop for all things ocean-related facts, as suggested by the internet AI, graciously listing it as the number one return when asking it such a question. It tells me, that website, that only 5% of the Earth's oceans have been charted and explored, especially the depths of the ocean. 70% of the entirety of the surface of the Earth is open ocean angel. So that's a hard concept for me to fathom, that that much of the world is just open water. What do you think could be out there in our oceans? Besides Mandy Moore. Well, I know for a fact that... Because the open ocean is quite literally open. There are animals that live in there that can grow to an enormous size and continue growing. So quite frankly, anything could be out there. You mentioned that and I just had a a thought. Because you know how like uh, certain animals, they'll grow like if you get them a bigger aquarium. Mm -hmm. If you got a baby whale... And put it in a small aquarium. What happens? I believe the police would get you for animal cruelty. <laughs> and then you got to set it free. It jumps <laughs> over you. Yep. Why do you think humanity has shied away from exploring the depths of the oceans? Simply put, I think nobody... Well, I don't know why now we don't do it. But I think back then, it was the enormous pressure of the, of the water... And mm-hmm. the Jules Verne d- couldn't get that far down. <laughs> and the ex- extreme darkness. Mm-hmm. Still things that we have trouble with dealing <laughs> in, with today's technology. And you would think that with today's technology, we would have improved on that. But no. no. So I have a, a question to pose you. If you were to make some sort of mythological creature or oceanic cryptid, what are the top four things that you think would you would attribute to it to make it the best that it could be a lot of the ocean or water cryptids like you know the one in scotland that were, were main unnamed i didn't think a moment for what the hell you're talking about but now i, uh, I understand <laughs> so a lot of these creatures when they're sighted they're always presented as this like a mound or some like round thing Little humps. Yeah, little it's, humps. It's, and and then it's lovely humps are coming out of the water. <laughs> yeah. And and then pictures are taken of it and it's all blurry and it's like you can't really tell what it is. So my cryptid would most definitely have a distinctive feature that when you see it, you can automatically know that's not anything other than that cryptid. Mm-hmm. That's so, not a log. <laughs> yeah. So it's like yeah. some spikes on its back or something like that. Okay, so spiky back. So it would also have the ability to release a toxic cloud that spreads outward from its body as a what? defense mechanism. It's like those trees that uh, <laughs> release the uh, poison. Yep, yep. It would also have a blobfish face. Would it be the deflated one or when it's under it's most, proper pressure. The, most, the, definitely, the pre- most definitely the deflated one. The, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's got a hu- humanoid face? Yes. And finally, it would be able to swim forwards or backwards. 
How about side to side? No. 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 <laughs> Gonna go front and back. Okay. <laughs> how many how many oceanic creatures do you know can go front and back? Not many. Not many. Yeah. You know, what would you call that thing? Cryptids always have a funny, a fun name or something like that. So I went, uh, I looked into the Danish language and decided, <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to call, I'd call it the Mainskili. The Mainskili? Mainskili, yeah. Which means human. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's human in Dutch. Yes. So as you're doing your main skeely, mine, mine would be called the plastic puss. The idea being, you know, that swirling plastic island out there in the Pacific Ocean that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That Wait, it that, becomes. That's real? It, yep. It becomes now a sentient being, possibly from a passing by comet sprinkling its cosmic dust into our atmosphere near all of the ocean plastic and causing it to meld together as some sort of leviathan-sized plastic octopus that hunts the open waters for merchant vessels. Yeah, I like that. Plastic puss. Plastic puss. This <laughs> inevitably gets brought up every time there is discussion about space exploration. It's like the internet AI working its magic because there are always articles mentioning why should we explore space when we haven't even uh, begun to understand what is in the depths of our own planets. So, I'm interested, though, what is your stance on this? Like, do you think humanity should focus greater efforts on oceanic exploration over space? Or do you think, like, ocean exploration is not particularly worth it and we should expand outwards? I'm definitely on the stance of we should be exploring our oceans. Mm -hmm. Um, For the reasons I brought up earlier, we should be working on building technology that can withstand greater pressures because I'm sure they can find other applications for it other than just going underwater. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that colonization of space is going to be something viable. We've discussed this in the past where I'm just like, how does a human like even just flying to a planet, like how can they deal with all these different factors that I can't remember now, but it's like, uh, here on Earth, we're already here living. So, and and it's like we're just gonna screw up that planet. <laughs> like, why don't we explore the one we have? So, in in my opinion, there's this like gap of knowledge that we just don't truly know what is residing in our waters, and it becomes filled like by entities like the Ningen. The analogy that comes to my mind is that, like, you'll see it time to time, this horribly, like, yellowish polyfill expanding foam that people use to fill cracks in their houses and foundations or, like, garages that just unintentionally makes it look like yellow mold is flowing out of your property. And things like the Ningen or Krakens or Mermaids or even our boy, Angel Pliny the Elder, he had his own theorized gigantic octopus. So these entities are the polyfill expanding foams of the ocean they people just wildly slap them onto the gaps in our knowledge of stuff we don't yet understand about the ocean 
So over time though, Angel, some of these giant sea monsters have proven to be real. Some of these deep sea fish can be wildly scary looking. So could the Ningen really be out there? I don't see why not. I think anything's possible. The only thing is that when we've, we've gotten evidence of like giant octopus, giant squid, usually because they're dead and they wash up. Mm-hmm. But if the Ningen is a deep sea creature, why is it that we're spotting it? So at least people are claiming that they can spot it like on satellite imagery in the oceans. Mm-hmm. Like you can't see giant squid from that, but you can see the Ningen. Like, really? I don't. I don't buy it. Yeah, so this entity, the Ningen, you alluded it to earlier with your Dutch naming <laughs> of your creature. The Ningen means human in Japanese. They are described as being entirely white in color, possibly due to some sort of albinoism. Measure in at an estimated 20 to 30 meters, which in our perfect measuring of feet is 98 feet, has a human-like shape sometimes with legs, arms, and even five-fingered hands. Other times it can have fins, a mermaid-like tail, or even tentacles. In the area of the head, the main features are the human-like eyes and mouth. As a size comparison of our 98 feet, a normal telephone pole is 36 feet in length, so the Ningen is nearly three times the size of that. It's about double the length of a semi-trailer, about 10 feet longer than a blue whale, And my go-to size comparison, Angel, it is more than 13 Shaquille O'Neal's standing on top of one another's shoulders in size. How can something this big remain hidden? Maybe it pretends to be a whale. Oh, I didn't think of that. So it's sort of like, it's just a dumb whale out there. I'm not going to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm a a whaling vessel. Yep. So let us now (laughs) delve deep into the open waters to try and figure out what this creature is, Angel. Since ocean exploration has apparently been such a difficult thing for humanity, what are the top four things we should bring in our investigation of the Ningen? Or the Nin Gen? So, first thing is an old-timey deep diving suit. Gotta have one of those. Like those metal ones with the the tube going into the back of the helmet? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's the one. Pictures of whales to compare the thing to. That's because smart. why not? Mm-hmm. So we know that we're either looking at a whale or not a whale. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. We're not gonna make those mistakes that people here uh, make when they confront an owl and think, "Oh, this must be the Mothman." <laughs> is, is this a dinosaur or a crane? I don't know. <laughs> Third, pictures of humans to make sure. That we're not confusing mm. it. 13 Shaquille O'Neal's stacked on top of one another, <laughs> I think, is a, a must-have image. Yes. And finally, some anime to pass the time. <laughs> some anime? Which yeah. one? Oh, you know, um, what's that one with the thing that's an infinity length? <laughs> oh, oh, my. What was that? The, um... That was like the biggest things in existence. <laughs> yeah. Was it the Gundam or some sort of like robot? Something like that, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Anime. So good. Will these things aid us in our journey or are we just destined to have our lungs filled with ocean water and die a horrible death? Luckily for us, we have a guiding light, not unlike 
the greatest lighthouses ever constructed to guide us smoothly on our journey, we have the guiding axiom known as Cotton Eye Joe's Razor, which states for the Ningen, to have come from somewhere, it must therefore go somewhere. So where did the Ningen come from? The article Ningen, the generation of media lore concerning a giant sub-Antarctic aquatic humanoid and its relation to Japanese whaling activity by Felicity Greenland of Doshisha University in Kyoto and Philip Hayward of the University of Technology in Sydney. The Ningen is what is considered in Japan as a UMA, or Identified Mysterious Animal. Typically, this is basically how the uh, Japanese classify cryptids as UMAs, and we discussed this on the Tsuchinoko episode as well. When we first started looking at this angel, I, I recall thinking about the word Ningen, which a lot of sources just thrust out into the ether that the word means human. Now, I don't know about you, but I was like, how can this word be used to describe this thing? Like I said, 13 Shaquille O'Neal's on top of each other is the size of this thing. It's an aquatic entity. Sometimes it has arms and legs, sometimes not. How can this thing be named the word human, in your opinion? I mean, if it's anything like that artist rendering, it's got to be that facial expression it's got. It's just looking like a... It's not sad, but it's not happy either. It's just like a... I imagine it's going like a... Hmm, kind of sound. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you know, it's another, it's another Thursday and I got to do stuff. <laughs> the article by... Greenland and Hayward gives a bit of insight into this naming of the creature. So they state that since Japanese give neither articles nor plurals, it is indeterminate whether Ningen is singular or multiple entities. The Ningen or a Ningen is the idea there. When enunciated, Ningen sounds like the Japanese word for human. So in kanji, human is rendered in a pair of characters meaning person and realm combined into one phrase. The similar sounding words are most clearly delineated by the way they are written. So the UMA Ningen is written with characters in katakana, a phonetic script used for foreign language terms, loan words, and even scientific nomenclature. The katakana rendering lends an air of the alien or foreign and scientific resonance, but the authors claim emphatically other than the customary understanding of the word human what do you make of this wildly wordy explanation of the term angel so while it may sound like the word human it doesn't necessarily have the same essence of the word human and that sort of sounds like hair splitting but what do you make of that you know with that explanation i mean it it makes sense It, it reminds me of how um like in chinese like the word chi usually gets translated to mean one thing but they it's it's actually used for several things that are more nuanced than just something as simple as energy or whatever the hell you want to think it is it's different to translate words when in the language that's being translated there's even just the concepts of the language aren't the same as far as like naming things and having like the just the the purpose of words are different so it makes it hard for certain things to be translated doesn't it i remember thinking when i was younger that all language could be translated one to one like yeah. every word mm-hmm. was just yeah and the the sentence flowed exactly the same way if yeah. you translated it right yep my god no <laughs> <laughs> that's not how language works at all 
So, the first written appearance of this creature seems to stem from the 2002 post on the two-channel forum. So, Greenland and Hayward, they translated the post in its entirety to this. I heard that the research whaling surrounded the Antarctic Sea, conducted by the Japanese government, is not only conducting research on the whales they catch, but also researching and recording whales they do not catch. In the last few years of research, it is said that some objects that cannot be officially announced have been witnessed. This information is gained directly from a person involved. These are what is called, among people related to research whaling, Hitagata butai, human-shaped objects, is what that translates to. There are several types of them, such as one that looks like a human with four limbs and a head, and one that looks like as if its two humans' upper bodies are joined. They emerge from the water just like whales. The whole body is white, and the size is a few tens of meters long. I heard that nobody had seen such a thing when they were conducting whaling years ago. They are really baffled at it, and because an official announcement of the object could overturn the credibility of current research whaling, they are just recording them. But that does not mean that they are vigorously conducting research on them. As they have to submit their research schedule to the International Committee, they cannot change their schedule for flexibility. The person who told me this story said, You can tell this story, but please keep me anonymous, though I am pretty sure that other people are telling this story too. That's all I heard. So this original post indicates they indeed discovered multiple variations of this entity. What do you make of this posting, Angel? Does it does this sound realistic the way it's presented? I think it was trying to sound as realistic as it could while still remaining kind of vague. Vagueish, yeah. Yeah. I thought I you know, I I'd like to applaud it for that. You know, it starts off with I heard and you know, when somebody says I heard this, there's no really no like how how can I believe you? You know, mm-hmm. like give me give me a. You tell me where you heard it, when anon- you heard it. Anonymous source, anonymous a, a, source. A location <laughs> of where you were. <laughs> what was the weather like outside when you heard this information? I need to know so it's, I can believe you or not. <laughs> it's important to establish these things because it makes it more believable. When I was working at such and such place and I was talking to the director, whatever, whatever, they said this. And it's Uh like, okay, that sounds legitimate. (laughs) Yeah, not as vague. This was posted on the two-channel forum in a thread entitled Giant Fish, Monster Fish in the occult portion of the forum. My God, Angel, (laughs) this was pretty much us on forums like this back at that time. So we had our Japanese doppelgangers discovering the <laughs> Ningen as we learned about talking demonic Furbies, people living in walls of your house, and people finding weird things during urban exploration trips. Do you think a post like that way back in 2002 would have made you a believer if you had read that? I mean, I believed in John Titor, didn't I? <laughs> you know, I... I don't. I wanted to believe, so it made me like, I don't know, believe it more. I suppose. I think. I think if I'd definitely would have been like one of those where we'd be discussing it, like, oh man, there's this giant. Did you read about the the giant human, (laughs) human whale in the whale in, in the ocean? But I think I also would have promptly forgotten about it. Yeah, it doesn't sound 
like something that would be like, you know what? I need to pour my life into this to find out more. Being like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And then move on to the next thing. Not so much for the Japanese. The two-channel site had limitations on how many postings could be made in a thread, and that capped out at 1,000 posts. The Ningen took the site by storm as five subsequent threads were created in the span of over one year. That is a whole lot of posting about this creature. Do you recall anything ever being that popular on a forum angel? Even even John Titer, I don't think, made it that many posts. 5,000 posts? I mean, I'd like to read these posts. You know, what what, what could possibly be said in them that's taking up five threads? 5,000, yeah. <laughs> five, thousand, five threads of, of, of Ningen. <laughs> I mean, I guess the, the closest thing, and I don't know if this counts because it's not really post-related, but it would be like Slenderman. Just... Mm-hmm. Now that you say that, I think that is a very apt comparison of what was going on. As the story progressed, the original poster named uh, Beitokon, which can translate to part-timer, periodically added more information. Beitokon's statements would cause another flurry of activity with statements like, Due to distance, darkness, whaling research confidentiality, the Greenpeace issue, and other factors, the creature had proven difficult to photograph. (laughs) This is then, Angel, where it went... Full Slenderman. <laughs> People started to post photoshopped images and interpretations of the Ningen. Speculation that it was related to the Umibozu, a folkloric Japanese sea spirit. Posting statistics on Japanese research, whaling fleets, and even references to an Antarctic Godzilla supposedly witnessed in 1958 by the crew of the Soyamaru began to add credibility to the claims of what was going on. What do you think of this another co-authoring of an entity that's occurring? And my what, like seven years before Thunderman? I think it's just one of those things where people were really enamored with it and said, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah, like I feel a connection to this. Mm-hmm. I'm going in. <laughs> I'm diving and, in. Yeah, and, and, and it is uh, you know like 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 as you said, it's the idea that you know, you have Godzilla comes out of the ocean. All these creatures that come out of the ocean in this um, Japanese lore. Like, why not have another one in, in modern times? Yep. The poster, uh, Beitokan, shared a bit more information about someone identified as Mr. F, presumably the person who had informed them of the original encounters. Beitokan stated that when Mr. F first told the story, the catalyst was the song Oduro Domningen by Kaniku Shoujo Tai, which translates to Useless Dancing Person. <laughs> what an amazing song. The song supposedly was playing on the radio as they drove in a car, and the repeating of the word Ningen in the song was what sparked Mr. F's thoughts to mention, by the way, you didn't know that there are Ningen in Antarctica, did you? And Beitokan's response was that they th- they thought he was referencing research crews there because you know the word human, <laughs> and he responded. He responded with, "No, we don't know if it's human or not, but there's a strange being in Antarctica that we call Ningen." He then said, two to three years ago, an unofficial document went around stating it was decided that henceforth it will be called, and here in this uh, posting of it, it says, is the kanji for human-shaped object. So we called it uh, Jinke Butai, or mistakenly Ningyo Butai. But it was actually supposed to be read as 
Hitgata Butai. We call it Ningen. <laughs> and then <laughs> Mr. F is all over the place with his retelling of this. <laughs> and then at that time, Betokun stopped posting after that poster claimed a temporary leave of absence and never returned again. So what's your overall impression of the start of this creature, Angel? Um, it's it's a wild ride. I'm pretty sure um, Beto Kun has exiled himself to China. <laughs> <laughs> they um, replaced themselves with the, what was it, the, the Chinese academic that was shunned because of the Dropa Stones. <laughs> And and he exiles himself to Japan, right? Uh, yep, the Japan. They just swap places. You know, it's a one for one trade. Here's here's your mistake for our mistake. <laughs> My gosh, how about just this idea that they're listening to a song and he's like, you know what? This reminds me of the giant creatures in Antarctica. Did you hear about those? Can you imagine any sort of scenario where you saw these creatures and it took a radio song to jog your memory like i think i'd be thinking about these things the rest of my life if i knew about them it's like it's just so oh you know regular casual thing oh by the way i saw these giant things i I don't know how they just forgot about them (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah thank goodness the song on the radio that's singing about people reminded me (laughs) specifically the useless dancing person (laughs) oh my god with the disappearance of Beto Khan, where then did the stories of the Ningen go? After several years, manga author Tenkoin really embraced the word Ningen in a story written uh, that they wrote about a writer named Sato who tries to get more information on the creature. So in this story, Sato gets a video of the creature roaring wildly, and during the investi- uh, just during the investigation, Sato lost his mind and killed himself. Although the video claimed to have only had roaring in it, it was discovered that the Ningen was actually saying the words just unforgivable, which was related at the time to the Ningen's claim to, uh, there's this idea that climate change caused the Ningen to form and impacted the way that it looked, all to serve a purpose of serving as a warning to humanity about global warming. How about that, Angel? It speaks what? What what about this addition to it now? Uh, doesn't the Suchinogo speak? It sure as hell does. You know what it does? <laughs> it lies unless you give it alcohol. <laughs> yes, I think I think Japanese creatures just have a proclivity to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like you know what? I'm gonna say two words. Just unforgivable. <laughs> what a, what a statement, right? I'm gonna put that on my tombstone. It's it, and it has an environmental message. So, what's not to love? Oh. So, in Japan, something called the Moo Magazine, which is basically a, a paranormal magazine, they published an article about a mysterious Google Earth image that looked like a humongous white human figure in the water. And more and more articles then after that began to come out. Songs even began to be produced about the Ningen. The specific, like, new Ningen in its form. Can you think of all the creatures that we looked at, Angel, and pop songs coming out about them a few years after their so-called discovery? Like, what would be the best one that could be made? Well, I know I know. there's song, at least one song, about the squonk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who was it? It was Genesis. It was freaking Phil Collins. <laughs> I know there's a... 
there's supposed to be a rap song about the Mongolian death mm. war, but we never found that. Yeah. I mean, that was like a year ago that we talked about that more so than a year. And it still hasn't been revealed to us what the hell that <laughs> that uh, Mongolian tourist site was saying a, a rap song was based on it. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I really like, uh, uh, well, I guess a perfect example is there's plenty of music about Santa Claus. Are there songs about Merlin? Um, hmm. I don't know. That would be a glaring <laughs> mistake in history if there's no <laughs> pop songs about Merlin. <laughs> I think we need to change that. That's going to be our season five theme song <laughs> is our Merlin song, I think. Um, I think I think the Whooper Tinger should have a song. Get out of here. No, <laughs> next. <laughs> if he I, had a song, it would be very like uh, German polka. Probably, yeah. Um. <laughs> what if, let's say there is a skunk ape song. Would it be by Flo Rida? Or um, would it be by Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide? You know what? The thing is, I don't think these people know about the skunk ape. We need to bring it to their attention. Maybe they can do a collaboration. A Flo Rida Pitbull collaboration about skunk ape? I mean, yep. that's at least a number three ch- top of the charts. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we head into the rubric of power? Because that is pretty much where the story of the Ningen ends on my side. Just a tiny thought. Not quite a theory, but... So the Ningen is supposed to be this aquatic creature, giant, or at least pretty sizable being. May or may not have legs human looking legs or human looking arms but we don't know much about it other than even even the pictures that we see of it are just either photoshops or i guess maybe people just renderings yeah in 1997 the u.s national oceanic atmospheric administration noaa i believe noah noah they're based here in florida too they uh received a high Amplitude, ultra-low frequency, underwater sound. They they they, they, lab, they named it the bloop. I don't know if you've heard of this. The bloop. I think I have heard of the bloop. Earlier speculation that the sound originated from a marine animal was replaced by Noah's description of the sound as being consistent with noises generated by non-tectonic cryo-sizes... <laughs> Whatever. So they're saying... Oh, no. It was, <laughs> what? it was the glaciers. But so that's Noah's explanation is with that's, a, a glacier yeah. rubbing up against something yeah, or breaking. But, but that was after it, they maybe thought it was an animal. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, hmm, cover up perhaps? Maybe they caught a glimpse of the Ningen and said, my God, what is that thing? Maybe the Ningen made that sound. But you're probably thinking, well, we don't have any evidence of anything like that or the ningen making a sound and the ningen is supposed to be a whale so have you heard of the 52 hertz whale Mm-mm. um the 52 hertz whale is an individual whale of un- of unidentified species which calls oh. at the which calls at the unusual frequency of 52 hertz this pitch is a higher frequency than that of other whale species 
with migration patterns most closely resembling the 52 hertz whales, the blue whale or fin whale. So blue whale is from 10 to 39 hertz and or the fin whale is 20 hertz. Whoa, so it's way higher or yeah, lower. I don't know how hertz work if it's higher or lower. It's, it's, it's higher, yeah. Mm. Although 52 hertz is still pretty low uh, for our ears. Like we can hear it, but it's it's a low sound. So and it's it, so this sound is heard regularly, and whatever biological cause underlies its unusually high frequency voice does not seem to be detrimental to its survival. The fact that the whale has survived and apparently matured indicates it is probably healthy. Still, its unique call is the only one of its kind detected anywhere, and there's only one such source per season. Because of this, the animal has been called the loneliest whale in the world. Oh, yeah, I have heard this. I'm thinking the Ningen is a the and not an a. It's the last one. It's the it's last the one. Highlander of Ningen. <laughs> Did it kill the others? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if it's really human, yes, it killed the others. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a human whale. <laughs> I must kill the other ones like me, and the other ones not like me, kill them too faster. <laughs> the human way. How does it work? Does it cut off its head, but is it like a... Do they have tools? <laughs> Are they forging swords from Atlantis? Anyway, just putting it out there that perhaps these things are not unrelated. I'm curious on your thoughts of... I think it's in the last about 10 or 15 years, it's gotten to be a, a more popular idea of USOs, unidentified um, submersible objects, of being like some sort of alien entities living in our oceans um, and then like coming out into the sky. What are your thoughts on that, if you've ever heard of that? I think maybe I have, but the idea... The fact that we're calling them alien, I think is dumb. If they're in our oceans, they're not alien. Well, they're not of this world. They're not originating species, I suppose. So what? They came onto here and, and, and went the ocean. And instead of going to land on the land, on the, yeah. on the terrain, they went to the oceans and did, are doing something nefarious, I would probably say in the oceans because that's what they do is nefarious things well yeah this the thing about alien theories is always that there's some nefarious <laughs> thing going on whether what else are they gonna do whether it's ocean living creatures or ufos that abduct people and probe them or if it's reptilians there's always some darker purpose for them and <laughs> they're and gonna I, replace me and i've always questioned like what happens when they achieve their goals what then like <laughs> do they just leave <laughs> well then they get a new plan <laughs> phase two and we're not privy to phase two phase two go to other planets and do the same <laughs> do thing <it>. start over <laughs> yep it's a multi-millennia phase <laughs> it's an mlm is what it is <laughs> it is Mm. They so recruit how? others to do the same thing. And, and then the ones do, you, the, uh, do you think there's a galactic version of that? <laughs> the higher, one that top is higher reaping entities, the rewards. Yep, higher entities send lower entities to lower planet, planets to to hide in the oceans? Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then some of them, you know, they defect. They're like, I'm not getting anything out of this. Like, I think we're getting ripped off, guys. And uh -huh. they're like, no, no, no. You're on your own. Yep. <laughs> 
I'm out. <laughs> Take my USO to a different planet. <laughs> so, with that being said, why don't we jump into the rubric of power for the Ningen, the powers of this creature angel. Or, yeah. Or, I mean, <laughs> just like the Ningen, uh, the Ningen, the power, the- or the powers. <laughs> What's your interpretation of the word? Probably a bit controversial, but I don't, I don't think they have, there's no, nothing, there's nothing to be said about it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing even for me to be like, I mean, it's poor. It's like, no, it's nothing. It's zero. Just nothing. That's what it got. Zero. You know, I, I guess I took some pity upon <laughs> the creature and I, I ended up giving it a one of needs work. So... <laughs> Uh, there is nothing that I could find, and I, I read a, a, a good amount about this creature, that it's just an identified, unidentified creature. There is nothing that seems to be deeming magical about the entity. So it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, an easy one from me for power. <laughs> uh, how about detectability? This one I went with a two and a half, mainly because... People have claimed to have spotted it, and there are claims that there are photographs, but every time I look for photographs, all I get is artist <laughs> renderings and or obvious they, they saw the photograph, but the 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 photographer said, you, you can't take this. You have to draw what my photograph looks like. <laughs> yeah. So... It's like, it's like courtrooms where they have to have the, <laughs> the courtroom drawer yeah. in there. And, and, and not only that, but the art varies like you have this weird pac-man looking thing with legs and then another one is got it looks like a ocean it looks like an actual ocean creature with like fins and mm-hmm. there's no legs and another one looks like a submarine <laughs> with arms <laughs> yeah yeah so that that to me t- says that you know it's people seeing something but we don't even know what it looks like so it's still kind of hidden Mm-hmm. At least from my perspective, I I rated it exactly the same a two and a half, because the way I, w- I was looking at it, that stories of whalers seeing it are out there, but m- like you said, most of what we are seeing as evidence are just interpretations. And then I thought too, like the the vastness of our oceans, with all these interpretations or pictures, supposed pictures, they keep getting seen with that vastness <laughs> of the ocean. So what's up with that? <laughs> so I landed at two and a half. So how about the lore? So with my rating for this, I kind of went towards the mystique side of things. Mm-hmm. I imagined myself as a whale researcher. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if the story is true or not, but I imagined what the story that was told about them were, where suddenly you see this thing and you're recording it or not recording it or not studying whatever it is they said. And you you're just seeing this thing, and it's like, what is it? And it doesn't mm-hmm. do anything. And you you know, it's it's just there. And and the fact that this also made essentially became like the Japanese Slenderman, where everyone just went with it, and, and it took off. I I think that's that's pretty cool that they kind of embraced it. I give it a three. These ones that were like forged online on forums are some of my favorite ones to look at because there's like a, uh, depending on the, the record keeping of those archives, of online archives, 
Like you can see it play out in real time, yeah. pretty much. To me, I think it's cool when more people join in to add to an entity. Sort of like uh, it builds a community and it builds a specific connection that you can make with this creature because you can be a part of it growing. And I, to me, that's just a neat idea uh, as a, as a concept. Another thing that I saw, Angel, was Paul Rudd wrote a book where the Ningen are basically super evolved humans who have transcended as a new being. And I, I saw this and I, I said, I, I, I shook my head and I, I, my jaw dropped. Paul Rudd wrote a book about mm-hmm. the Ningen? And then I looked into it and and my my jubilation, I was ecstatic. I was like... Paul Rudd, I, I enjoy him, and come to find out, we have a we have a Chad Lewis on our hands. It's not the NFL player Chad Lewis, uh, which I would argue our Chad Lewis is much better than NFL Chad Lewis. But this was not the Paul Rudd, just a Paul Rudd. Like we were talking about the Ningen, it's not the Ningen, it's not the Paul Rudd, it is a Paul Rudd, multiple Paul Rudds, just some dude named Paul Rudd uh, wrote the book about the Ningen and it evolving into a transcendent being. Paul Rudd, you could say, has added to the lore of this creature. Yeah. You, just, you just don't define who Paul Rudd is. So I landed on a 3.2 in the Ooh. above average of the lore and mystique of this creature, because I just I, I, I have so much like that uh, like online world building of these creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, how about the cunning? So for cunning intelligence, before I go into that, I want to add to the lore as well. I I'm gonna say it right now: the, the, the cryptids work like Pokemon. The, <laughs> the based on the artist, one of the artist rendition of the of the Ningen, I say that the Fresno Nightcrawler evolves into a Ningen. There. Put it out there. <laughs> After it takes so many steps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. After it travels so long, it, it evolves. In size. <laughs> it's when when it travels across America, it walks straight into the water. And it's <laughs> it's like a water stone. It makes it evolve into the Ningen. And it yes. continues on in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just save that for the amalgamation corner. Yeah. Well, you, you spilled the beans. <laughs> oh, no. Cunning and intelligence. Again, th- there's there's nothing there. Um, it doesn't have a purpose. It doesn't seem to have any motivations. Yeah. Um, it exists. Yeah. It just exists. I guess it's like uh, something to be revered, I guess. Something to be worshipped. Mm-hmm. It's just there. You have to take it in. Uh, warts and all. Maybe, I don't know. I'm thinking of starting a Ningen religion. <laughs> What's happening? So I gave it a one for intelligence. Uh, you missed your, you missed something here, Angel. That it possibly has speech that can drive you insane, <laughs> and and God. make you kill yourself. So, <laughs> at I suppose it has higher communication, even more so than a whale. So I suppose it is intelligent if it has that. So because of that, I'm I'm giving it a two in cunning and intelligence, a two, a little bit higher. How about the impact on pop culture? Pop culture, uh, as you mentioned, Paul Rudd, not the actor, wrote a book on it. It's got some stuff in Japan, but I'm not in Japan. I'm in the states, mm-hmm. and even though I believe 
Paul Rudd, not the actor, is also on the Western Hemisphere at the very least. No, he's in, he's in the UK. Sorry, mm-hmm. there you go. He's in the he's in the UK. Um, still Western side, Western society that is. And um, if I hadn't learned about the Ningen, I would have never found out that this man had written that book. So, does that impact me in a way, <laughs> like pop culture wise? Like I don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I had to learn about the Ningen to find out that Paul Rudd wrote a book on it. And it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't that I know Paul Rudd has a book on the Ningen, and now I'm like, hey, what's this? And I learned more about the Ningen. So, I don't know. Maybe Paul Rudd needs to market it more. Mm-hmm. So I've, just, looked into Paul, I've looked into Paul Rudd, and he's written a bunch of shark books. Mm-hmm. And, and, and on his Twitter, he talked about that. But he's not promoting his uh, Ningen book. I say he needs to uh, raise up the Ningen awareness. And capitalize on the name and confuse people. Like, I was confused. Like, take advantage of that and say, I am Paul Rudd. I wrote a book. And people will take take notice. And, Paul Rudd, you wrote a Ningen book? <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, he wants to be Hulk. And I'm like, dude, you're supposed to be Ant-Man. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Get, your, get your story straight, Paul Rudd. <laughs> so, pop culture, I give it a one same whaling boat here i gave it a one because uh, believe it or not angel a ningen beer in america is out there it is a american what? wheat by guardian brewing out of michigan it is 6.6 percent alcohol by volume their facebook calls it crisp and citrusy featuring citra eldorado and eureka hops it's got three different damn types of hops in it angel and I looked into El Dorado ones because I thought Angel probably knows about El Dorado hops. <laughs> and they are sort of, they are pineapple flavored hops. Wow. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. So next to your pineapple plant, you can grow maybe El Dorado hops. Or I could merge the two. <gasps> A pineapple hop? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you think it could ferment in its own, like, skins? <laughs> I don't and you just not. drink the juice out of out of that, and yes, uh-huh. it's like coconut drinks. Uh, just drink in a coconut, but this time the pineapple itself creates the alcohol. <laughs> yes. Uh yeah. So I gave it a one. What did yours add up to? <laughs> seven point five. And I, Angel, I landed on a nine point seven. So that gives us a combined score for the Ningen, an eight point. Six. It's higher than the Nightcrawler, as it should be. It's the evolved form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? I think this is our first cryptid ever. This is our first cryptid ever to have an eight anything. What? We've never had an eight something. <laughs> How's that possible? <laughs> we've had nines. We've had sevens. Never an eight. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Trivia. <laughs> of... <laughs> The Ningen. The Ningen. <laughs> Wasn't that just a rip-roaring time, Curiosities? So, why don't you swim on over to Twitter and get your Twitter fingers going and tweet at us at Cracking Curios 
and include the hashtag cracked cryptids with your tweets of love and praise and gossip. We we love gossip. Rip roaring <laughs> and Twitter fingers. I can't let this go unannounced. Like Whoa. <laughs> what does rip roaring have to do with the Ningen? <laughs> Rip tides, man. Come on. Uh, no. <laughs> Does it cause them? Maybe. I'm putting it out there. And it's got fingers sometimes. <laughs> Could it type? Could it tweet? Could it hold a phone? I may have to increase my intelligence score <laughs> after all. And, you know, you can also tweet at Paul Rudd, not the actor, at Shark Rider. That's S H A R C. W R I T E R. He's the one that wrote the Ningen, so he should know everything about it. He might even be able to answer all the questions we had on today's episode. He may be one. <laughs> he, he may be a Ningen, an advanced, what was that, an advanced, advanced human? human. <laughs> Transcended. Transcended. <laughs> Make sure to follow us if you're not already on Instagram at Cracking Cryptids. I like to post things every now and then on there. Yeah, Shakira got attacked by feral pigs. <laughs> she sure did. And they took her purse. So we warned you guys. We warned you. You can also send us emails at crackingcryptidsandcurios at gmail.com. We have lots and lots of podcast platforms to be found on. So make sure you're following us on that or subscribe or whatever word they use for whatever platform you're using it's like pokemon you got to find them all <laughs> get them all and subscribe <laughs> to all of them the ones that you can uh rate give us a thumbs up or a heart or a star or five stars whatever it is and as always sayonara This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. Cute little gizmo saving the day. Man.